obtained like precious faith with us through the righteous, righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Notice that word knowledge. Notice what the knowledge of God produces. It produces grace and peace. There is grace and there is peace through the knowledge of God. Verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. What now do we have through the knowledge of him? What has his divine power given us? It's given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You know, I, I understand the importance of education, okay? Education is important. But here, Peter says that this book has everything I need for life. It has everything I need. Um, it's interesting, if you go read, I think it's in Psalm 119, where uh, David talks about how God's words have made him smarter than his teachers. And this book provides a lot. This book can create in a person the wisdom, the knowledge, the ability to think and to process information, the ability to function even without an education. It's interesting if, if you would have been here or if you would have gone to the pregnancy center uh, banquet, what, three years ago, um, we had a man speak and I'm not, you remember his name? What was it? Ron Archer. Ron Archer is a black man who grew up in the inner, inner city in Ohio. Cleve, uh, was it Cleveland, Ohio? If you, if you listen to his testimony, I mean, his mom lived a wicked, wicked life. Ron Archer, as a little boy, couldn't read. He had a, a horrible stutter. Ron Archer went to school, and there was an old, an old teacher in that school who just kind of took a liking to Ron Archer, and she started to teach him how to read. You know what she used to teach him how to read? Scripture. She started making Ron Archer memorize Scripture, and she started teaching him how to read through Scripture. And eventually, Ron Archer grew up. Ron Archer went on to have a full-ride scholarship at Ohio State to play football. Ron Archer graduated top of his class at Ohio State, played NFL football, I think now, or at least at that time, I think he was like the main chaplain or he was over all the chaplains for the NFL. Um, but anyway, through scripture. Listen, I think sometimes we underestimate the word of God. Sometimes I think we, we think that the word of God is not adequate or that it's not capable, but it is. It is. And here Peter says that through God's word, through the knowledge of God, we have everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need. In verse 4, he says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be the partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then he says this in verse 5, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. You know, in our Christian life, God does not want to see us get saved and then just kind of become stagnant and stay where we're at. God wants us to grow. God wants us to start building our Christian life. 
And here, God, through Peter, God gives us some things that he wants us to add to our faith. And so I, I want to just kind of skim through these real quick, and then we'll get to the one that we just, I just did with the teenagers, and we'll talk about that one a little bit more. But um, the first thing he says to add to our faith is virtue. Now, virtue, if, if we just took it, more than likely we would define virtue as just moral excellence, uh, being above board in our morality and our moral character. But you need to understand that in the Greek mind, when this was written, virtue was discussed in public. Virtue was something that was discussed in the Greek forums and that these great philosophers would sit down and discuss what is virtue. And when it comes to virtue, for you and for me in our lives, we all have different standards of virtue. We all do. We kind of take this virtue thing for granted. Um, I, I was thinking about, uh, so we, we have this little podium. I think it's still upstairs, but the base is metal. And um, it was kind of, it was this little like lap joint. So like the metal would fit inside each other and there was a bolt that went up through the bottom and it would screw in and that held that base together. Well, it broke. And so one Wednesday night, I'm kind of like, great, what are we going to do with this? And I, and I stopped, I looked at the teens. And I was like, do any of you weld? Dale says, I weld. I said, here, take this home and weld it back together. Okay. So he took it home and he welded it. And he did a good job. But he brought it in. Uh, I don't remember, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I don't know what day of the week it was, but he brought it in one night, and I said, okay, you need to show that to Mr. Nelson because Mr. Nelson welds, and I want him to inspect it, see how you did. So he took it over to Nelson, and Nelson looked at it, and Nelson kind of flipped around, and he said, yeah, you did a pretty good job. And then this is what Nelson, Mr. Nelson started to say. He said, but right here, you were too cold. Right here, you had it too hot. And so he kind of just showed him, like, you know, little things that he could tweak in his welding, but he said, you, really, you did, you did a good job. Those are virtues. You have a standard for, I mean, if you're going to get something welded, there is a standard. Chad chops down trees, but there's a certain way and there's a standard. He's not down there at the bottom cutting trees and landing them on houses. That wouldn't be a very virtuous tree guy, would it? No. Josh, you're a plumber. There are certain virtues to plumbing that are going to make you a good or a bad plumber. And hopefully you possess the virtue, not you personally, I'm just speaking generically now, but hopefully you possess the virtues that would make you a good plumber if you're going to be a plumber. Right? That's fine. We'll send all the other plumbers to your houses, okay? You can come work at my house. We'll send everybody else to your houses since you don't care. But the reality is this, we do care. And this virtue is excellence. It's, it's, it's being excellent in whatever you do. It, it, and listen, we're all human and we make mistakes and we're not perfect. But in spite of that, it's just simply striving to do the best we can at whatever it is we're doing. And that's one of the things I try to challenge the teens with. Listen, when you're in school, seek to be the best kid in school. If you're going to play a sport, seek to be the best one. Or maybe you're not the best athlete, but you can have the best attitude and you can have the best work ethic and you can have the most hustle and you can do whatever you can do to be excellent. And so here, Peter says the first thing you need to add to your faith is virtue, a level of excellence. And then he says, add to that virtue, knowledge. And knowledge is simply that, it's knowledge. But you know what? If you're going to be virtuous and excellent at something, guess what you're going to need? You're going to need to know what to do. 
you need some knowledge. If you say, hey, I'm going to be good at that, well, then you're going to need some information so you know how to be good at it. It's going to take some knowledge. So he says, add to your virtue knowledge. And then he says, add to knowledge temperance. Temperance is self-control. It's the ability to tell yourself no and to tell yourself, hey, you need to do this or you don't need to do this. And it's the ability to control yourself and make yourself do what you know you're supposed to do. And then he says, and to temperance, patience. And this is the word that I hate. This is the worst word. Patience is the hardest thing. And this is where we stop with the teens, and this is what I want to look at tonight. Patience is such a horrible thing. I don't know if it was last Wednesday or when it was, but I was actually upstairs, and Mr. Dustin was up there, and I think we were talking to Brody about patience. And patience is a horrible thing to learn. Patience is a hard thing to learn. This word patience means endurance. The, the Greek word literally means to remain under a load, a weight, to have something on you and to stay under it. Now, what do we do when we get under a weight or something heavy? What do we usually want to do? We want to get rid of it. We want to push it off. We want to get out from under it. But patience is remaining under it. And that's hard. That's hard. And so take your Bibles, go over to James chapter 1. You guys probably know these verses. James chapter 1. We're going to look at what James says here about patience. And um, like I said, I personally believe this is one of the hardest things to do in life is learning patience. Um, Because patience is only created through tribulation and trial. You know, for, for anybody that plays any kind of sport, I, I think uh, um, you both re- you both wrestle. Do you wrestle? You both wrestle. I, I, I personally think that wrestling has got to be the most exhausting sport. Because, number one, you don't have a teammate. You're out there by yourself. And it's not like you can, like, stand over at the edge of the circle and be like, hold on, let me catch my breath. It doesn't really work that way. You know, when you're playing basketball and the ball's on the opposite side of the court, you can kind of relax on defense a little bit and kind of catch your breath, right? I mean, most sports kind of work out that way to where you have kind of a moment in there where you can kind of catch your breath. When do you do that on a wrestling match? You don't. And I, I mean, I've never wrestled, and I don't know anything about wrestling. That's one reason why I enjoy my kids wrestling. It's one reason why I like watching Nick wrestle, because I don't know anything about it. So I can't say anything about it. I can't get mad about it. I can't get too excited about it, because I don't know anything about it. And I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm perfectly fine with it. I can just enjoy it and watch him do it, and that's fun for me. But the amount of endurance, and not just cardio, like cardiovascular endurance, but full body muscle endurance to get on a mat and roll around and and wrestle another human being is exhausting. Exhausting. And how do you build that endurance? By persecuting your body. It's only by persecuting your body that you create endurance. That's why some of us are larger than others. Because we don't persecute our bodies like others do. 
but we still like to eat. Sorry, I do. But the only way you create endurance is through that persecution by causing, by putting yourself in situations where you're going to have to endure and endure and endure and endure. And so here, uh, Peter says, add to your faith patience. So notice what James chapter 1 says. James chapter 1 in verse number 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. A couple things about patience. First thing is this. We're going to have to change our mind or our thinking about tribulation. Notice what he says in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Count it all joy. Now, for all of you athletes out there, how many of you would go to practice and go, man, this is awesome. And you would count it all joy, running, push-ups, sprints, whatever it was. How many of you would say, man, it's awesome. I love it. Give me more. How many of you like, I love, bring me some more pain. How many of you would say that? Anybody? Anybody? Um, I think, uh, okay, I got one in the back. I'll, I'll tell your dad. I'll remind your dad of that. Um, Cole, I think I saw you raising your hand a little bit. Um, I, I think I remember Mr. Dustin telling me one time that when he and Spike were coaching at Fort Morgan, I think they had a pair, a, a pair of twins who liked push-ups. And he said they would do hundreds of push-ups. But they had a rule that if you cut during practice, you did push-ups. They would get to the end of their push-ups, and they would cuss on purpose to do more push-ups. Yikes. If you ask Wesley about, like, phantom chairs, you know, wall sits, you sit on the wall at 90 degrees, no actual chair, and you sit there, and your quads and your hammies hold you up. Ask Wesley where he goes during those at basketball practice. He says, Dad, I, I, I go, like, I go get ice cream. He says, I think about ice cream. I think about something that I really like, and I just try not to think about it. But listen, here, James tells us that we need to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations. The things that come into our life that we don't like, the things that come into our life that we don't enjoy, the things that are hard, the things that are unpleasant, the things that we wish weren't there. James says you need to count it all joy. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's not always easy to do. It's not always easy to count those things as joyful because we don't like it. It doesn't work with our thinking and our own logic and our ability to rationalize through it. And we don't like it. But God says count it all joy. And that's not always easy to do. So we have to change our thinking. Not only do we have to change our thinking, but we need to realize this. These temptations, these trials, and listen, this isn't a temptation to sin. This is a trying. This is a testing. But listen, notice it says when you fall. You know what's unfortunate? You can't always anticipate these moments. They just kind of happen. And that's kind of an unpleasant thing. It's kind of a nerve-wracking thing. I, I don't know about you, but there are times when I can't relax. I'll give you an example. One of the scariest places for me is my kids in or around water. When Natalie was really little, 
we were at a birthday party, and this family had an above-ground swimming pool. And Natalie was in this little floaty thing. And I'm sitting up on this deck, up, 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 on, the to- up, up on the top around this above-ground pool. And Natalie is, is kind of in this little thing, and she comes around, and no joke, she face plants. And her weight is out front on this flotation thing, and she can't get up. And like that, I was in the water, full clothes, and jerked her out of the water. When we have father-son campouts, and my kids go tubing, I am a nervous wreck. I can't explain to you really why, but water is one of the scariest things for me. And, and I, I, you can ask my wife, I don't usually relax around water, especially with my kids. And it does, it just makes me really uneasy. Because anything can happen. Anything can happen. And, you know, sometimes life feels that way. It almost feels like, man, I don't know what's going to happen, and anything can happen at any moment, and, and I don't want to experience that rough or that hard time or whatever it is. And, and it's, sometimes it's hard to relax. Why? Because we just fall into these temptations many times. Notice what he says in verse 3. He says, knowing this. So how can I have joy in these temptations, these trials, these things that I fall into, how can I have joy in those things? Knowing this, knowledge. Knowledge is a powerful thing. And listen, if you will pay attention to verse 2, this is how you can have joy. It's because of what you know to be true. What is the one thing you know to be true when it comes to your trials, your temptations? Verse 3 says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. I know this, that that hard time is going to bring Patience is going to bring endurance into my life. How, do, how does Cole or how does Caleb, how does any kid go to practice and run for two hours or lift weights and do push, do all the crazy, insane things that their coach puts their body through? How do they do that and come back the next day? Because they know they're building that endurance, that ability, and they know or hopefully it's going to pay off. My coach, when I, when I was in high school, our coach used to tell us all the time, you hate me now, but you'll love me in the fourth quarter. It didn't help. But that's what he told us all the time. That's what he always said. And usually he was right. We did appreciate that endurance in the fourth quarter. But man, I sure did hate it in the moment. But listen, how can we have joy? By what we know. We need to remember why God puts us through these testings to build that endurance, that patience. So we need to change our thinking. We need to remember that we can't always anticipate these. We need to remember why trials happen. And the next next thing is this. Um, We need to stop looking for a way out. Look at verse 4. It says, but let patience have her perfect work. You know, many times when we we have those circumstances that we don't like, like I said before, all we want to do is get out from underneath it. God, God, give me an escape. God, give me a door. God, light, Lord, you light my path, and hopefully it's directly out of here. That's our attitude. I want out. And I get it. I get it. But listen, here, James says, but let patience have her perfect work. That circumstance has a purpose. That circumstance is there for a reason. 
And if we get out from underneath it, it's not going to be able to have, do its perfect work. That word perfect means complete or entire. Go Run that entire process. Run the entire process. I remember, I remember when I was in high school, you know, we'd go to basketball practice and we'd do these stupid defensive slide drills. They're not stupid, but yeah, maybe they are. Um, but, you know, our, our coach would, uh, you know, we would do these pitter-patter drills. And I'm sure Mr. Greg has done pitter-patter drills. We would do these pitter-patter drills. And our coach would yell at us to get our legs at 90 degrees and pitter-patter. So your feet are going like this but a whole lot faster and a whole lot more agile-like than that. But anyway, um, so your feet are doing this. But he would want our legs at 90 degrees. Then there were times when he would make us sit there, kind of like a fathom chair in that 90 degrees. And then he'd blow his whistle, and then we'd start pitter-pattering again. And there would always be that guy in the team who would start cheating, and his rear end would start coming up. And he'd get up here, and the coach would be like, nope, starting the clock over, everybody back down. <laughs> oh, man, you wanted to kill that kid. Oh, you're like, dude. You're killing everybody. And our coach would do that kind of thing all the time. You cheat, you come out of it, and, and you don't stay, everybody starts over. Why? Because if you cheat, you're not going to go through the entire process. You're not going to get what this is designed to do if you get out of it, so stay in it. And listen, the same is true in our lives. God wants us to stay in that circumstance and let that thing do its perfect work. Accomplish what he wants it to accomplish. That way we become the person that he wants us to be. So stop looking for a way out. The truth is, is when we look for a way, a way out, all we really do is hurt ourselves. All we do is hinder what God wants to do. Sometimes I think that's why we find ourselves in the same situations. Because we have yet to learn what God has wanted us to learn because we keep getting out of it. Instead of trusting God and staying in it. So stop looking for a way out. So change your thinking. You can't always anticipate it. Remember why trials happen. Don't or stop looking for a way out. And the last thing is this. Remember, it's for your good. Verse four, he says, but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing the idea of of uh this perfect and entire is kind of the idea of furnishing a house now if if i if i had the money and i purchased a piece of property and i built me this beautiful home i'm talking about thousands of square feet and you and i said hey we'd like to have you guys over for dinner you guys are like cool man i can't wait to see their new house and i mean this this thing's a mansion it's massive and you pull up, big, huge, fancy driveway, and big, fancy door, and whatever, and you come walking up, and you're like, man, this is beautiful. And you walk into my house, and you're like, Wes, you, your house is amazing. Oh, well, thank you. Well, come on in here. This is the dining room. And I take you into the dining room, and there's no table and chairs. You'd be like, where are we eating? Oh, we sit on the floor. So we sit on the floor and we eat dinner. Then I'm like, hey, let's move on into the living room and let's get comfortable so we can talk, you know, get to know each other a little bit. So we move on into the living room. But there's no furniture. There's no chair. There's no couch. There are no end tables. There, there's nothing. 
And you say, well, what do we do? Where do we, where do we sit? Oh, we sit on the floor. So we sit on the floor and we start to talk. Let me ask you a question. How dumb is that? That's pretty dumb. You would probably be sitting there going, you know, Wes, I think I ought to have taken a thousand square feet off of your house. And I think I'd have bought furniture with that money. That's probably what you would be thinking. And you would be right. And you know what? God doesn't want li us to live our Christian life that way. God wants you and me to be thoroughly furnished. He wants our life to be complete. He wants us to have all the tools that we need. He wants us to have all the, all the abilities that we need to live our Christian life. He wants us to have everything that we need for that. And the only way he can do that is through developing this patience. It's not pleasant, and it's not always fun, and it's hard. But it's through these moments that we grow, that we learn. Just like any one of these kids who plays sports and goes to the gym and breaks their muscles down so that they can heal and build those muscles up. God's trying to do the same thing in your spiritual life. God knows that you're going to have to go through some tough moments so that you can learn patience, so that you can grow in your endurance, so that way you can be used by him to a greater capacity. God knows that. So listen. Don't try and get out of your, I don't know what your circumstance is tonight, but don't try and get out of your circumstance. Don't try and remove it, but trust God with it and let God work in your life and let God develop that patience. It's just like the teens. I, I you know, going through this with the teens, um, I, 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 I've told them even, you know, you go to school. And listen, I wasn't a great student. I'll be the first to tell you I was not good in school. Because I hated school. I liked college. You know why? Because I got to pick my classes. I liked that. I didn't like going to high school, though, because you had to do what everybody told you to do all the time. And I didn't love that. But you know what? One thing that school does for you kids is it develops your patience, your endurance. It pushes you. It's going to test you. It's going to help you grow. Trust it. Work at it. Do the best you can at it. But that's also true for us as adults in life. Even when our circumstances are the worst, we need to remember that Romans 8.28 is true. All things work together for good. All things work together for good. And God's always trying to grow us and God's always trying to develop us. So don't try and get out of it. Rather, stay under it. And look to God and trust him and remember, knowing this, that that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Remember what you know. Remember what you know, because God's always working. God's always working. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the night. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for not quitting on us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your patience in our lives. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to trust you. In your name we pray. Amen.